I'm not really about the playoff berths. Not really about the division championships anymore. The Bucks have come close. The Packers, the Badgers, the Brewers have all come close. I want one of my teams to make a championship. I want one of my teams to win a championship. That's what this is all about. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. I know that we have all different levels of sports fans that listen to the show. We all have differing level of commitment to sports and to our teams, right? Some of us are are locked and loaded and watching every single moment, every single game. And then some of us a little bit more casual, right? If we're bored, maybe we'll throw the game on or maybe we just watch the Packers or just watch the Brewers. That's fine. I get that. But I know some of you, like me, watch football every Sunday. You plan your daily and your weekly schedules around sports and around your teams and your games. And I know a lot of you, like me, look forward to the Super Bowl for months, 150 days between yesterday and the start of the NFL season. And in those 150 days, there were 256 regular season games, 17 Sunday night footballs, all those Monday night games, the Thursday night games, the the Fox NFL kickoff with Terry High, Michael and Jimmy, all of that culminated yesterday. We're all looking forward to yesterday. And it was just, it was just a turd. It was just a turd. 31 to 9. The league's most potent offense, not Green Bay, didn't even score a touchdown. No, t- no touchdown. Which happened the last time Tom Brady was in the Super Bowl as well. 2018 against the Rams. Fascinating, right? Great. Now, I, I was going to try to come up with some way to be clever and funny and explain how disappointed I am. But I, I thought I would illustrate my disappointment and my letdown through a brief story. Right? Just very, very quickly. You all know that I'm a a fly fisherman. I like to fly fish. I like to ice fish, too, not when it's minus 10 degrees. Two summers ago, I took a little road trip with my fly fishing buddies, and we fished the beautiful Owyhee River in Oregon, in Nevada as well. It's part of the Snake River. It's huge. The drive took 23 hours and 49 minutes. I looked it up today and double-checked. It spanned six different states. I spent $100 to buy a local fishing license out of state. Lodging for a week cost about 400 bucks per person. Of course, all the food and the beer we had to buy, too. I spent well over 100 bucks on flies and equipment. And on the way home from this trip, we blew a tire at 3 a.m. during a thunderstorm on I-90 in the middle of South Dakota, middle of nowhere. Why do I bring all of this up? Because after all that time in the car and all that money that I spent, I caught one, one seven-inch brown trout. That one brown trout cost me hundreds of dollars a week in Oregon and 48 hours in a car. And that one fish was infinitely more satisfying than whatever the heck that Super Bowl was yesterday. God, that sucked. That was a terrible game. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I hope that story helps put this into perspective. That was the worst. That's That sucked. You look forward to something all year long, especially during a pandemic. During a pandemic in this economy, We're just looking forward to a great Super Bowl between a great defense and two all-time great quarterbacks, and one of the teams doesn't even score a touchdown. Doesn't even score a touchdown. Nine points. Nine. Nine points. Final score was 31-9. to What a turd. What an absolute turd. Now, tonight's show isn't going to be a turd. We're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to talk about last night's game and exactly what happened. And then I want to relate last night's game to our team, the Green Bay Packers, as well, because I yesterday's game got me thinking about the Packers a lot, mostly out of necessity because yesterday's game wasn't actually that interesting. So if I wanted to be entertained, I had to do other things. So I was thinking about the Packers a lot during the game yesterday too. And I got upset again. I got angry with the Packers. I'm actually more angry with the Packers today 
than I think I have been all year, maybe except the Monday after the NFC Championship game. So I want to talk about yesterday's Super Bowl, even though it was a bummy game. We can still have some fun, interesting conversations about it. But I also want to talk about the Packers, the offseason, and what is to come over the next couple of months. A lot of uncertainty, as Aaron Rodgers said, right? But I I think there's some interesting conversations to be had. So I want to do that. And if you want to join the conversation, if you want to send me a text, absolutely please do, 608-796-2558. And you can tweet at me, at Wisco Grant as well. I had a field day on Twitter yesterday and today. I've just been I've just been riled up. So if if you need more than two hours of me and my unabated stream of thoughts, you can find that on Twitter at Wisco Grant. Let's talk about the Super Bowl. I said the final score was thirty one to nine. Who cares? It wasn't close. It wasn't entertaining. Today, every storyline, every TV segment, article, podcast, and blog, everything was about Tom Brady being the goat. Goat. And Brady winning, what was it, his seventh Super Bowl yesterday? I think seven. That really sets him apart. Like, he has won hands down more championships than any other quarterback. He's had more success than any other quarterback over a longer period of time than any other quarterback. And this might sound jaded, but I do mean it genuinely. You may think for those reasons that he is the greatest to ever play the game. I do not subscribe to that way of thinking. I don't think wins are close to a quarterback stat that is worth valuing. But if you believe that Tom Brady is the greatest of all time for those reasons, I'm not going to argue. I'm not going to argue. That's a difference in values. That's a difference in opinion and approach. And that's fine. If you go to sleep at night thinking Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback you've ever watched, more power to you. Not going to argue. And I don't want to talk about that. We're not going to do the GOAT thing today. That would be a a huge waste of time. I don't want to talk about Tom Brady because Tom Brady wasn't the biggest story yesterday. He might not even be the third or the fourth biggest story yesterday. Yesterday's game wasn't about Tom Brady being the GOAT. If you want more of that, just go look at go look at Bleacher Report's Instagram or something. I don't know. There's plenty of Tom Brady GOAT content. If you, if you, if you want the head of a GOAT photoshopped onto Tom Brady's body, just go on Twitter and look at like House of Highlights or whatever. There's plenty of that content out there right now. The biggest story is Tom Brady's defense not allowing a touchdown. And I may not be a Tom Brady fan, but I am a fan of football. And I know a good defense when I see it. Tom Brady's defense didn't allow a touchdown yesterday to that Kansas City Chiefs offense, which would be incredible, amazing, unfathomable, except that also happened in 2018 when Tom Brady won a Super Bowl scoring 13 points because, oh yeah, in that Super Bowl as well, Tom Brady's defense also didn't allow a touchdown. Do you realize how insane that is? That Tom Brady has won two Super Bowls, two, not one. One would be amazing in and of itself. He has won two Super Bowls in which his defense surrenders no touchdown. Nine points in this game, three against the Rams and Sean McVay and Jared Goff in 2018. And that statistic, that anecdote, especially over the course of two games, is even more insane when you compare it to Aaron Rodgers' playoff games and and the point totals that, that have been given up. Let's start in 2011. You want to hear the point totals that have been given up in Aaron Rodgers' playoff losses? The culminating game of the postseason. This is how Aaron Rodgers' defense has fared him. 37 to the Giants in 2011. 45 to the Niners in 2012. 23 to the Niners in 2013. 28 to Seattle in 2014. 26 to the Cardinals in 2015. 44 to the Falcons. Good job, defense. And God, Tom Capers, hell of a performance. 44 points in 2016. It, it wasn't as many as 45, which is what they gave up four years prior, but still pretty good. They missed the postseason in 2017 and in 2018. To the Niners in 2019, they gave up 37 points. And to Tampa Bay two weeks ago, they gave up 31. On average, 
Aaron Rodgers defenses in playoff losses have surrendered over 28 and a half points per game. Amazing comparison to Tom Brady and his respective defenses, which has now netted him two Super Bowls in which he needed to score uh, one, parenthesis, one, parenthesis, touchdown. The story of this game is Tampa Bay's defense. And then, of course, how Kansas City reacted to Tampa Bay's defense. I would say adjusted to Tampa Bay's defense, but they, they really didn't. Once again, if, if you want Tom Brady goat content, Instagram. There's a lot of it on there today. I would, I would recommend it. Tampa, Tampa Bay's pass rush was absolutely insane yesterday. And if you watched, you know. You saw it clear as day. M- my sister texts me today. My sister doesn't watch sports. My sister probably thinks this job is a joke. Like, when I, and I come home and I see my family, my sister's like, you are such an idiot. Like, I'm in college. I waitress. I probably make more money than you. My job, like, my, my sister, does, she's not a sports person at all. And she texted me today. She's like, I actually watched the Super Bowl yesterday. The whole thing. And it was boring, which because the game wasn't any good. But she's like, I felt bad. For Patrick Mahomes, I felt bad. I was like, hmm, that's interesting. And then I bumped into another coworker today who, once again, music guy, not really into sports. And he said, well, I'm not a sports guy, but I got to say, I felt bad for Patrick Mahomes yesterday. I'm like, this is interesting. I'm noticing a theme. Even the most casual of sports fans felt bad for Patrick Mahomes yesterday, which is understandable given that he was pressured on 29 of 56 of his dropbacks, which is 51%, which is nuts. It's the most in Super Bowl history. Those 30 pressures... We're most in a playoff game in five years and 13 more than Patrick Mahomes has ever faced, albeit in a relatively young career. This is the most mind-blowing stat, and I saw it was floating around last night courtesy of Next Gen Stats, which I believe is powered by AWS. So it's really Next Gen Stats powered by AWS. Fascinating, right? We got layers on layers here. So the NFL's Next Gen Stats presented by Amazon Web Services or powered by Amazon Web Services. Patrick Mahomes ran 497 total yards before either being sacked or passing the ball. So from the moment the ball is snapped to the end of the play, Patrick Mahomes ran a total of 497 yards behind the line of scrimmage. And that was obvious yesterday. Now, I, I, I couldn't have quantified it. I would have had no clue how many yards it amounted to. But watching that game, you saw it clear as day. He was running hot laps back there. It's like he was, he was playing a yard game. It's like he was playing tag. He's just trying to avoid the, the person who was it. Like he's playing sharks and minnows. He's just darting all over constantly. He'd take the snap, and he immediately had to start running loops. The Russell Wilson special. Just, just mind-blowing. 500 total yards he ran before he even had to throw the ball or run the ball. He did a little bit of that, especially early on. Pressured on 51% of his dropbacks. Tampa Bay's defense is the real deal. And as insane as Tampa Bay's defense was, especially the pass rush, Andy Reid's lack of a response might be even more unbelievable. We love Andy Reid, especially off a bye. I got Andy Reid off a bye. Remember what we used to think about Mike McCarthy? We used to always talk about how great Mike McCarthy was off a bye. I don't know when that ended. I assume probably around 2015 is when that ended because that was the decline or the start of the decline for Mike McCarthy. Now it was it was shadowed a little bit by some backup quarterback play, so it took a little bit longer. Mike McCarthy kind of bled a slow death at the end with the Packers, but, but we used to think that about McCarthy. Oh, he's great off a bye. Amazing off a bye. And, and we continue to think that about Andy Reid. Unlike Mike McCarthy, you give him two weeks to prepare, he's, he's going to eat you up. Kansas City used a five-man protection on 92% of Patrick Mahomes' dropback passes with two backup offensive tackles, injuries on the interior, including one of their starters from a year ago who opted out due to COVID. The Chiefs used 
Five-man protections, meaning no help from a tight end, no help from a running back, no extra lineman. 92% of their dropbacks against that defense. Huh? They also didn't use any play action. Brady on play action last night, 10 of 13 for 135 yards, three touchdowns. Mahomes on play action, one of three for three yards and zero touchdowns. Huh? Huh? Andy Reid and his staff, Eric Bieniemy, and perhaps by extension Patrick Mahomes or whoever has been put into the offensive game plan, the Chiefs' offensive brain trust thought they could go into yesterday's game, play straight up with a junior varsity offensive line, and be fine. And then when they weren't fine, which should have shocked no one, they had no plan B. That's bold. That's bold, Andy. And you know what? I give you credit for sticking to your guns, having confidence in your game plan. Maybe that's what happens after you win one Super Bowl. You get a little high on yourself. Oh, fine. We'll show up. We'll do our thing. Patrick Mahomes is great. Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, they're great. They'll get open. Well, yeah, they were open at times, but not nearly consistently enough to put together offense or even score one touchdown, a feat that the Chiefs couldn't pull off yesterday. I just, I don't even know what to say. It blows my mind. You come in with a backup offensive line and you play straight up and you use five-man protections on 92% of your dropbacks and you just expect to be okay against that defense? I I respect the confidence. Leave it at that. Now, it is typical of teams to do things like this when they play Tom Brady. And by that, I mean completely not use their brain. You thought I was going to get on here today, I bet, and complain and talk about the refs and... Talk about how Brady gets lucky, right? See, I can be mature and objective. Look at all the stats that I compiled about the brilliance of Tampa Bay's defense. Being professional today. But before we take a break, I feel like we also got to talk about the luck side and the refing a little bit. The people were upset about in the first half. And I know because I was combing Twitter and I follow people from all pockets of football fandom and media circles. It's not just Packer people. I don't follow a lot of fans. I I don't really follow anybody. And everybody's mad about the calls that Tom Brady is getting. Right, let's talk about it a little bit. I want to read you my show notes from last week, Thursday the 4th. This is what I have written down. Uh, The Chiefs are better, but I'm assuming Tampa gets all the calls and some Chiefs get COVID. Hmm. Not because there's some conspiracy against KC, but because Tom Brady is just really, really lucky. That's word for word for my notes last week. And that's exactly what happened. Now, I'm not a conspiracy guy. I'm not 13 years old. I'm not Alex Jones. That's not what I do. But over the, the course of going into the first half, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. this isn't a conspiracy. This is just Brady luck. That classic Tom Brady tuck rule, interception on the one-yard line, D Ford offsides, luck. <sighs> Brady, you son of a gun. You did it again. Chiefs were penalized a Super Bowl record eight times in the first half. That comes two weeks after the NFC Championship game that saw no penalties in the first half and some of the most physical secondary play I've ever seen, and it was allowed. Until the end of the game, of course, when that physicality no longer benefited Tom Brady, but that's not the point. We get to yesterday's game. Tom Brady's best throw of the day might have been one that hit the top row of the seats, and of course he was flagged. I would be frustrated about this. I would be. I, I would I would yell, and I would pound the desk. And I would get angry in the studio, but I predicted this. I knew this was going to happen. Once again, my notes, word for word from last week. The Chiefs are better, but I'm assuming Tampa gets all the calls, and some Chiefs get covid Not because there's some conspiracy against Kansas City. Tom Brady is just really, really lucky. That is word for word my notes from last week's show. I would be mad, but I'm not surprised. When you're not surprised, you're not mad. You just feel right, and I feel very right today. I feel very vindicated, albeit very unsatisfied, about a 31-9 to 
Super Bowl that had shades of Seahawks Broncos the first time around. That game was over in the first three minutes. This game lasted a little bit longer, at least was within one score at the end of the first quarter. Let's take a break. I have to apologize to you. Now that the NFL season is done, I feel like we can kind of look back and, and view it holistically. And I was very wrong about something this season. And I think I admitted defeat on this take a couple of weeks ago, but I just want to rehash because I, I'm honest, but I always tell you when I'm incorrect on a take and I missed on this take as well. But you know what? We're going to learn from this take, from this mistake. And I know some of you were against this take from the beginning. So props, you were right all along. I want to talk about rookies and their actual impact in NFL games. And we can look at some rookies that played yesterday and played pretty darn good. Let's talk about that. Coming up next, more of the Wisco Sports Show after this. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. Super Bowl Monday. feel depressed today, and I got to wait until like 8.30 tonight to watch the Bucks too. What a bummer of a Super Bowl. My name is Grant Bills, and I'm glad you're listening, and I... I have to throw out a little disclaimer before we continue. I do want to talk about the halftime show just for a couple of minutes, right before 5 o'clock. We'll take a break at like 4.50. We'll talk about the commercials. We'll talk about the, the halftime show, the spectacle of it all, just for a few minutes. And I don't mean to pick on one of our listeners here, Big Joe, Big Joe V, who has tweeted me at Wisco Grant. Big Joe, I, I love you, and I'm not picking on you here. I've always thought of you as a messiah of sorts to the show. And I, I mean by that, you're about to, to take the sins of everyone else. If one more person... Text this show, tweets me. I don't really do Facebook, but if I see you on Facebook, if one more person says that we need a Metallica halftime show, that's it. You're getting blocked. And I don't block people. I never block people. That is, it, I, I, will, I, will, I will block you. I might walk out of the studio. No one, no one else. I don't want one more person saying we need a Metallica halftime. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. We'll talk about the halftime show coming up at about 4.55 or so, last couple of minutes of the hour. In the meantime, we're talking about yesterday's game as much as we can. 31-9 to 9 was the final score. It was just a, it was just a turd. This is just a turd. It was a bummer because, as I said, to start the show, there's a lot that goes into a Super Bowl. It's a lot of buildup. I did the math today, and because I took the time to do the math, I'm going to share it again. 150 days, 256 games. Sunday Night Football is my favorite. We sat through 17 Sunday Night Footballs, including opening night and Thanksgiving. A little bonus. All culminated yesterday. All leading up to yesterday. And the game stunk. The one silver lining out of last night was the game started at 5 and not 7. So I was able to go to bed early and get a, a nice restful night's sleep. So it, it all panned out in the end. That was the silver lining. And if that's the silver lining of the Super Bowl, that's a, that's a bad, bad Super Bowl. Now, I want to apologize for something today because I'm, I'm being a little cocky here. I'm hating on Metallica. I don't hate on Metallica, but just we've got to give it a rest. So if, if I'm going to hate, if I'm going to be critical and be snarky, I, I, I do have to be honest. and I need to be critical and snarky myself, too. I am not a sports better or a prognosticator. I don't do picks. I do takes. I do, I do conversation. That's what I do on this show. I love watching a game, thinking about it stewing on it, and then coming in here, sitting down at 4 p.m. and then talking about it with you, having a discussion. That's what I like. I'm not necessarily here to prove that I can guess things correctly or predict things. Now, sometimes that's, that's part of it. Sometimes we, we watch a game and we try to figure out what we learned and then apply that moving forward. It's like, well, this is what I think is going to happen based on our evidence, based on precedent. Right? So sometimes we do that. And I've been right about a couple things in the last year. I was very right about the Brewers offense. Said they were going to suck and they did. I was very, very right about Mike Pettin and his situational coaching. I said it in week one. We talked about that last week. 
It was the Vikings game. And I'm like, I don't think Patton's a good situational coach. And then, what, 18 weeks later in the NFC title game, he's a terrible situational coach. I was very right on Russell Wilson. Very, very right on Russell Wilson. But I've been wrong a lot, too. Like, I'm very incorrect. This is part of the job, right? And this season, I was way off base with a take that surrounded, especially rookie wide receivers, but rookies as a whole. Earlier this season, I downplayed the importance of a player like Justin Jefferson or Brandon Ayuk or Chase Claypool or CeeDee Lamb. And I argued at the time that rookie wide receivers, they aren't, they are consistent. They're not consistent. They might have great moments, but they're not going to have great stretches and they can't be contributors on a championship team because they're not consistent. And I used Devontae Adams as an example. Devontae Adams is a rookie in 2014, had two or three great games. The Patriots game, uh, the Cowboys game in the postseason, and then he had a great moment against the Dolphins with the fake spike. That was about it. And that's where I was wrong because Devontae Adams is a special case. Right now, I think I was being Packers-centric, and maybe I was trying to carry water for the Packers a little bit, which I'm going to do none of today. So I'm sure that will please a lot of you. I was being Packers-centric, only thinking about Devontae Adams, and I'm not realizing, uh, realizing excuse me, that the NFL is changing. The league is changing. Young players have impact. Justin Jefferson was one of the best wide receivers in football this year. Not one of the best rookies. Not one of the best rising young stars. He was one of the best. Best. He was up there with Diggs and Adams. And yeah, that's about it. That's about it. Those were, those were the best wide receivers in the league by the end of the year. Metcalf had a great start at the beginning. And other guys had great moments. But it was Adams, Diggs, and Jefferson. Those were the brilliant wide receivers. And Jefferson did it without a bunch of volume. He did it without being a centerpiece in the Vikings offense. The Vikings offense doesn't pass. So you can't be a centerpiece of a Vikings offense if you're a wide receiver, which Stephon Diggs learned very well, which is why he wanted to be traded. I argued months ago that rookie wide receivers, calm down. They're not that important. They don't matter. You need to look two, three years down the road when they're actually developed. And I was wrong because the NFL is changing and younger players are having an impact earlier than ever. Yesterday, Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill were held in check, which I thought to be unfathomable. Now, both of them dropped passes they would normally catch, including Tyreek Hill dropping a touchdown. So, of course, you know, that happened against Tom Brady. It's interesting, right? They drop passes they usually don't drop. But by and large, they were taken out of the game. They were covered really, really well. Travis Kelsey, who's the best tight end in the league, and Tyreek Hill, who might be one of the most difficult to cover just because of his skill set. 90% of coverage snaps on Hill and Kelsey were played by six defensive backs. This is how their ages shook out. Ready? One rookie, three second-year players, and two third-year players. The Buccaneers coverage unit, which did a complete heel turn from their game earlier this season in which Tyreek Hill almost had 300 yards, they did a complete heel turn, all first, second, and third-year players, to turn the Kansas City offense into a skid mark. He just completely wiped him out of the game. And it was all rookies, second-year players, third-year players. I mean, Antoine Winfield is, I mean, he's a revelation. He's awesome. And he's got attitude, and he seems to have the intangibles on top of being a great player. Young players, rookies, second-year, third-year players, rookie contract players are contributing more than ever, and they just did so on a championship team. And then you look at the Packers, how many How many rookies played snaps for the Packers this year? And I understand you don't draft for that season. You don't draft for for the short term. You draft for the long term. I I get that, but 
Is anyone now concerned about, like, Antoine Winfield? It's like, oh, they drafted him for this year, but, well, now this year's done. Well, no, he's going to continue to be great and continue to get better and be good. And I think if the Packers want to compete in the NFL, especially uh, these next couple of years with Aaron Rodgers, they're going to need to embrace younger players. You might have a little PTSD from Ted Thompson, young players, but you need contributions from everyone, even the rookies, the second, the third-year players. That's what the Bucks got yesterday. The Bucks won. Let's talk more Packers coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. My name is Grant Bills, and I am your host. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're hanging out because we need to uh, debrief. We need to discuss and, and kind of decompress after yesterday's Super Bowl. More like stupid bowl. <laughs> 31 to 9 is the final score. Tom Brady has now won his second, second Super Bowl in which his defense did not give up a touchdown. I'm getting some snarky tweets. You guys are like my Brady luck. Takes you, you don't you don't think there's any luck involved here? You, you want to talk? You, here, let's talk about this. <clears throat> Yesterday, pe- people were feeling bad for Patrick Mahomes. They're like, "Oh, I felt bad. I felt bad." The pe- the pass rush the pass rush got into his face, and he had no he had no time to throw. I don't know what voice that is. Patrick Mahomes finished twenty six of forty nine for two hundred seventy yards, no touchdowns, and two interceptions. And it was it was like a funeral today. It's like, oh, I feel my my heart is with Patrick Mahomes. Just embarrassing. I felt bad for him on a national stage, nonetheless. We gave we gave Patrick Mahomes pity. Aaron Rodgers threw for 350 yards, three touchdowns against that defense, and you all blamed him. No, 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 no. Aaron Rodgers should retire. This league doesn't deserve him. All you do is hate. Hate, 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 hate. We want to give pity for, for Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes didn't throw a touchdown. His offense didn't score a touchdown. Aaron Rodgers threw for 350 and three touchdowns, and y'all blamed him for losing the game to that, to that defense. Okay, okay. Yeah, no, my Brady takes are out of line. I will reassess. My bad. 608-796-2558. You can text me uh, with that number if you would like. Uh, T-Bone, our, uh, T-Bone actually works here. He's one of my closer friends in the building, and he's from Tampa Bay. So, T-Bone, before I read your text, I would like to say congratulations on your team winning. You are the one person in the world I'm happy for that Tom Brady has won the Super Bowl. However, your text, as I expected, had nothing to do with Tom Brady. It just simply says Metallica. We're not getting a Metallica halftime show, and I don't want the Foo Fighters either. They're the same thing. The one the one suggestion you were allowed to send in is Jimmy Buffett because it would be awesome. Not talking about Metallica. Not talking about the Foo Fighters. Uh, our friend Rob down in Stoddard says that Super Bowl went uh, how I thought it would. Plus, it showed that a good defense beats a good offense. And what's wrong with Metallica? Nothing's wrong. <laughs> Nothing's wrong with Metallica. I, I feel like I feel like no matter who plays halftime and how good or how bad of a job they do, well, we should get Metallica. We're going to talk about the halftime show, and I will give you my thoughts. Coming up after this segment, we're about to talk about the Packers, but seeing you brought it up. We're going to talk about the halftime show coming up in about 15 minutes. I just, you, you, some people will not be satisfied, will not sleep at night, and cannot die happy and satisfied if Metallica doesn't play the halftime show, you know there are other there are other bands and other performers. 
And they're pretty good. It's not just Metallica. So we'll talk about that. And of course I'm kidding. I have nothing against Metallica, but sheesh. Like a dog with a bone. Metallica, Metallica, we're doing the Metallica show today. Halftime show talk coming up in 15, so, so be ready. I'm going to give you my takes on the halftime show. I took notes. I took notes during the halftime show because I got so bored. There's nothing to write down during the game because the game sucks so bad. Let's talk about the Packers. And I want to be careful what I say here and how I say it. Not that, not that I'm going to swear or anything like that. Um, no. But what I'm about to say might be taken the wrong way, so I want to make sure I explain myself. I'm a Packers fan. I was raised a diehard Packer fan, and I have so many great life-defining memories through the Packers that connect me with family and friends and special moments and times in my life. Love the Packers. I will always cheer for them. That's why I'm careful when I say this. Right now, I am mad at the Packers. They're on a timeout. I'm, I'm upset at them. Screw the Packers right now in this moment. And it's not because they lost in the NFC title game. I've seen the Packers, like I've trained for this. I've seen the Packers lose so many times in the playoffs. Watched him lose 37 to 20 as a 15 and one number one overall seed in 2011. I watched him let Colin Kaepernick run for 180 yards in 2012. I watched them lose to the same Niners team the next year. Go figure, they didn't address anything and they lost again to the same team. Funny how that works. I watched them blow it in 2014. Watched them completely, completely leave Aaron Rodgers hanging in 2015 when he threw two Hail Marys, but no, that wasn't enough because the defense can't get a stop and he lost a coin flip. Talk about luck. 2016, he drags a team to the NFC Championship game, Aaron Rodgers, that had no business being there. That team wasn't a playoff team, but he got him to the title game, got blown out 44-21, to and yeah, Aaron Rodgers is in clutch. My bad. Then they missed the playoffs in 2017-2018, and then in 2019, uh, the Packers lose 37-20. to They lose by 17. Nice. And then this year, they lost again. This is not about a playoff loss. I can handle a playoff loss. I saw 2014. I lived through 2014. You think COVID is going to mess me up? You think COVID is going to mess up young people in the state of Wisconsin? No, we lived through 2014. That's an experience we get to carry with us the rest of our lives. Colin Kaepernick running for a buck 80. Arizona winning a game despite Aaron Rodgers completing two Hail Marys. It's nothing new. This has nothing to do with the Packers losing in the postseason. This year, however, especially, they really outdid themselves. And it's not just the NFC title game. I am upset. I am mad today. And this was, this came up yesterday during the game because I was so bored. I'm mad at the Packers right now. I'm mad, and it's not just the title game. It's the entire season. Let's go through the process, the entire progression, if you will, of this Packers season all the way back to week one. Let's start with the regular season. The Packers go 13-3. and Their offense is historically great. Historically great. And it was fun. And you could tell that it was historically great, not just by the numbers, but by Jay Sternberger and Malik Taylor and Dominique Daphne catching touchdowns. That's how you know it's a great Packers offense. When the Andrew Corlisses and the Richard Rodgers, eh, you shouldn't do Richard Rodgers a disservice. The Donald Lees of the world are catching touchdowns. That's how you know. Rodgers has a career year, the best statistic season really of his career, best completion percentage, highest touchdown total, wins MVP. They have multiple signature wins, including an awesome game early on in season in New Orleans. Then they beat Tennessee in the snow. They beat Chicago twice, blew them out both times on national TV. That's how you know. That's 2014 was marked by two blowouts of the Bears. The Packers beat the Bears in blowout fashion in their career years. Great seasons. This season was another example. The offense was predicated on the running game, and it was also predicated on smart, aggressive decision-making late in games, especially on fourth downs. Right? That's what this offense was about. And then, after winning 13 games in the regular season, being the number one overall seed, you get a first-round bye, you beat the Rams. Then you get into the title game. And what happens? 
You don't run the football, even though that was the story of your offense all season. To great success, mind you, with Williams, Jones, and Dylan. You don't run the ball in the title game. And then you don't go for it. You start kicking field goals. Well, look, I can handle the Packers losing. But if you're going to lose, go down playing to your strengths. Go down with Aaron Jones in the running game that was so good. Go down going for it like you had all season long. Like the, the way the Packers lost was a stupid way to lose. It would be like, for example, if the Bucks lost in the postseason and the entire reason they lost was because Giannis sat on the bench too long. Oh, yeah, they did that. That's right. That was stupid. Like the, the Packers completely got away from themselves in the postseason. Everything they were great at, they ignored. Everything they did for 16 games in the regular season that got them number one seed, they completely threw to the side. That's BS. And I'm still upset about it. Yes. But I don't just want to dwell on the NFC Championship loss. Let's let's continue. Let's, let's talk about the next two weeks. It's been two weeks since that game happened. Since the Packers were eliminated, we had to watch Kansas City advance to the Super Bowl. And I brought this up last week. This is significant. This is substantial for me. Because it reminded me this Chiefs season of the Packers in 2011. When the Packers went 15-1. and one, And then they lost in the divisional round. And it was over before we even knew what happened. Ten years after they haven't been back. They haven't been back after 2011. We all thought they were going to cruise to the Super Bowl and, and go for back-to-back. Nope, didn't happen. Ten years. Haven't sniffed the Super Bowl. And I remember at the beginning of this season when the Chiefs were about to try to defend their Super Bowl championship, I defended the Packers like an idiot. I said, look, it's hard to get back to a Super Bowl. Let's just not assume here, folks. The Chiefs, what are they going to sleepwalk to the Super Bowl? No, that's not how the league works. Look at the Packers. We all thought they were going back to the Super Bowl, and then they they got surprised by the Giants. That's how football works. And then what happened? The Chiefs cruised to the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes got hurt in a playoff game. Didn't matter. They played against Buffalo. Josh Allen, who was the second-leading MVP boat getter, didn't matter. Cruised to the Super Bowl. Got back like it was a a, a summer breeze. Whoosh. Whoosh right back to the Super Bowl. And that was earlier this season after I said, not so fast. We don't know. A lot of factors. Uh, Complacency is real. No, it wasn't. The Chiefs made the Packers look horrible this year. Right up until yesterday when they made the Super Bowl back-to-back years like it was nothing. Like the Packers should have done. And the Packers, they haven't made the Packers look bad. The Chiefs did. And if that wasn't bad enough, Tampa wins the Super Bowl. After Green Bay should have beat them at home. There's so many ways that Tampa gave a middle finger to the Packers by winning yesterday. Not directly, but indirectly. For example, Tampa in winning the Super Bowl, avenged a regular season loss. Twice, the Packers could never, ever avenge a regular season loss. Let's, let's talk about it. This year, this year, the Bucks lost to the Saints twice by a combined 46 points. Then they beat the Saints in New Orleans in the divisional round. Ooh, they made adjustments. They learned. They improved. Look at that. The Bucks lost to the Chiefs. In the regular season, 27-24, Tyreek Hill went for 270 yards. Seemed like an insolvable problem. And what happened? They The Bucs made adjustments. They learned they got better, and they beat the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. The Packers could never, and I mean that, and I have examples. 2015, the Packers lost 38-8 to to Arizona in the regular season. What happened in the postseason? The Packers lost to Arizona. 2019, the Packers get blown out in the regular season, 37-8 to to the Niners. And then later that year, the Packers lose in the playoffs to San Francisco. That's been the case. That has been the Packers for the last decade. And I tweeted about it today at Wisco Grant. 2014, Seahawks losing the regular season and in the postseason. 15, the Cardinals. 16, the Falcons. 19, the Niners. It just keeps happening. And the Buccaneers completely bucked that trend just as the Chiefs did. 
Let's talk about another way that Tampa Bay gave the Packers middle finger. Let's talk about Shaq Barrett. Shaq Barrett is in a contract year. Yesterday, theoretically, could have been his last game as a Buccaneer, his final game before unrestricted free agency. And what did he do? He had 11 pressures, four quarterback hits, and a sack. He was a monster. Meanwhile, the Packers, one of their defensive starters, who's about to hit unrestricted free agency, Kevin King completely forgot how to use his brain. Great. 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 Big picture, the Buccaneers are the anti-Packers. They were aggressive. They got free agents. They drafted for positions where they loved the players. They loved the players so much, those players played right away, and they were amazing. They got huge contributions from Tyler Johnson this season, fourth-round pick in big moments. Antoine Winfield, who was a second-round pick. Tristan Wirfs, who was incredible. He was the highest-graded uh, player in the game yesterday. The Packers drafted Jordan Love. The Packers drafted Jordan Love. That's the caveat to everything. Oh, the Packers had a great season. Yeah, they drafted Jordan Love. Oh, well, the Packers have a lot of unrestricted free agents next year. Well, it's a good thing they drafted Jordan Love. Oh, well, don't worry. They'll be back at the top of the division next year. Well, they drafted Jordan Love. Jordan Love, Jordan Love, Jordan Love. Jordan Love is, to the Packers, what Metallica is to the halftime show of the Super Bowl. It doesn't matter what the Packers do or what you talk about or what you think. It all comes back to the fact that the Packers drafted Jordan Love and then punted on the third round and the fourth round, too. Drafted an H-back. A freaking H-back. Draft is for the future. It's just funny because I still don't really feel that good about the future. I'm mad at the Packers right now. They're on timeout. They're on timeout. Get to some of your tweets, some of your texts coming up next. We'll also talk about the halftime show. Let's talk about the halftime show because y'all got takes. You want to talk about the halftime show? All right. It's not good enough because it's not Metallica. Well, I will make a, a case for the weekend why well, I thought it was pretty darn good. But then maybe that's just me. I just like to enjoy life. Zach Heilprin, our friend last week, told me that I'm a glass half full guy. So maybe that's just the life I try to lead. Let's talk about the Super Bowl, the halftime show. And you know what? The commercials, too. Coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. My name is Grant Bills, and I'll go to the bat for the weekend today. Somebody has to. That's fine. I'll say that I like the halftime show. I'll be the unpopular guy. It's all cool to hate on everything. You think it's cool to hate? No, it's cool to hate on Russell Wilson and Tom Brady, and that's it. Those my rules. It's my show. Those, those are the rules. If you want to join the show, you can. 608-796-2558. That's the talk and text line. You can tweet at me at Wisco Grant if you'd like as well. Although one rule, if you tweet at me saying you want a Metallica halftime show, you're getting blocked. I do not block people lightly. I enjoy the back and forth, even if it's always an attack. It's fine. It's what Twitter's for. But you are getting blocked for 24 hours if you tweet at me saying that you want a Metallica halftime show. It's just a tired take, and you got to give it a rest. You got to give it a rest. The game stunk yesterday. 31-9 to was the final score. You know that, or maybe you don't, because maybe you didn't watch until the end. I was just excited to go to bed afterwards. I thought for the last couple minutes of the hour, we have about eight minutes to chat here. Why not talk about the supposed fun parts of the Super Bowl, the halftime show and the commercials? I have two takes, one of which is that the weekend's halftime show is pretty darn good. And we'll get to that in a minute or two. But first, uh, a question, a hypothetical question uh, with the commercials. This is something we have to discuss because maybe I have it wrong. Maybe I'm off base or, or, or please tell me if that's the case. I'm old enough to remember when Super Bowl commercials used to be funny. And I don't think it's just that I've gotten older. 
and and now it's more difficult to make me laugh. I truthfully don't think that they're not aiming to be funny anymore. Like these commercials aren't trying to be funny. Like Budweiser puts together an ad campaign narrated by Garth Brooks to promote unity in the country. Got to unify because my blood isn't red. It's red, white, and blue, just like yours. And then there's a silhouette of a farmer with barbed wire and the amber waves of grain. It's like, what in, what in tarnation? What happened to the monkey with the diaper on selling me Doritos? That's what I'm here for. I did not come here. This is, wow, listen, I sound, I sound right-wing grand here. I didn't come here to be lectured at. I didn't come here to be, to be preached about unity. I just want some entertaining commercials. Okay, okay, is that too much to ask? When did funny go out of style? That's what I want to know. There were like the funniest commercial yesterday was Will Ferrell complaining about how he's in Finland and not Norway. That was awesome. And it was an electric car commercial, right? If there was ever a company or a product to promote social consciousness and and health and unity, it would be for an electric car. But even the electric car commercial was like, no, nah, we, we need this to be funny. People want funny commercials. We're not. What do you mean? Get political. We're not doing that. We just be funny. So they got Will Ferrell. The, the the most left-leaning commercial yesterday, other than maybe the oat milk commercial, which was just weird. Which, okay, you want to be weird? I'll take weird. It's better than, it's, as long as it's, it's funny or weird. I'll take those two things. And the electric car commercial was just, it was the funniest part. The one product that shouldn't be funny. You talk about saving the planet and climate change. And that was the commercial that had Will Ferrell, which I find a little ironic, a little funny. That's my piece on commercials. I don't know when funny went out of style. But it's a bummer because I miss funny. Okay, let's talk about the halftime show. The weekend. Singer-songwriter, rock star of sorts, right? He's been around for like, he's been around for like a decade, first of all. I heard some people bandying about the idea that he has one good song, that Blinding Lights is his one hit. He's a one-hit wonder. The weekend has been around for like 10 years. I don't know when he put out Trilogy and when he dropped I Can't Feel My Face, which he played yesterday. So I don't know if you weren't, like, you're not paying attention 10 years ago. Like, The weekend's been around for a long time. He's got a lot of music. And I thought it was fun. Like, excluding all of you that would only be happy with Metallica or Morgan Wallen, for example. Like, what was there to complain about? It was fun. It was a rock show. There were fireworks. There were lights. There were dancers. Sure, the visuals were... Like, okay, you didn't like the visuals. You thought the, the masks were weird or the, the people with the red eyes or the lights. Or maybe he's he went inside the golden tunnel for too long. You didn't like the visuals. Okay, well, last year the visuals were too sexual for everyone. It was Shakira and J-Lo. That was too sexual. And now it gave you a headache. How old are we? Are we 55? Can we not handle a halftime show without taking an ibuprofen first? Or, like, getting our rosary out? Like, we got to gotta enjoy life a little bit more. We're just looking for things to hate. Like, the, the masks. Right? Like, the thing around the, the, the dancers' faces. It was part of, like, a little promotion they were doing beforehand. Like, at least his boob didn't pop out. Like, come on. Like, we're, we're just looking for things to hate on. And look, I'll get it. I think the show is like 14 minutes long, which is amazing because it felt like halftime shows feel so long. They're like 10 to 12 minutes. Concerts always get a little sleepy two thirds of the way through. You know what I mean? Like that always happens. Even even your favorite artist, you go to a concert. If it's two and a half hours long, you're going to get a little bored two thirds of the way through before they start ramping up for the for the finale songs and the encores. You're getting a little bored. That happens. And smartly. The weekend saved his most recent, most famous current song for the end. Get us all riled up at the end. I thought that was nice. And small mention, I, I got to say, I really liked how they were on the field at the end. I thought that was cool. Typically for halftime shows, 
they have like some big stage that lights up or some platform or, or they're standing on something. I just thought it was cool they were on the grass. Now, I hopefully it didn't mess up the turf too bad, but I thought that was cool. They were actually down on the field, so it was a little bit darker, and they were dancing right on the NFL logo. Like, that's cool. That felt like a Super Bowl halftime show because the NFL is right there, and the NFL had to like that too. There's no way Roger Goodell wasn't like, heck yeah. The weekend doing his final dance moves in his final shot of his final song right on the NFL logo, that's perfect. That's great branding for those of you who work in, in branding. I don't work in branding, but a lot of people I work with are very smart about these things, so they help me. That seems like good branding to me. I thought it was fun. I thought they were it was cool they were down on the field at the end, and I love that they spared no expense with fireworks. Like you can there's no such thing as too much fireworks. You done Fourth of July, like no one has ever complained that there has been too oh, it's too loud. <laughs> like it's just too bright. No, like there's never enough fireworks. You never get enough. I thought it was cool. I thought it was fun. I had a good time and I enjoyed it. But maybe the Super Bowl halftime show is just more enjoyable to me because the game was just about over. Final score, or the score at halftime was, what, 21 to 6? I don't know. I, I enjoyed it. I, I think as a, I, I was complaining about the commercials to preach unity, but to preach unity for 30 seconds here before we take a break, I got to say, I, I think we need to look for more things to like, and we need to stop looking for things to hate. Because Metallica can't play every halftime show. That's just not how, that's not how halftime shows work. Foo Fighters can't do it either. I know I know a lot of you will probably be happy if we just rotated every other year with Foo Fighters and Metallica. I know that's probably, it'll probably make some of you happy. We just can't do that. That's not realistic. So look for the things to like. And I thought there was a lot to like about the halftime show last night. I had a good time. But then again, the bar wasn't set very high because the rest of the night was pretty darn boring. It was the halftime show and the snacks because the game didn't bring it. And to be honest, neither really did the commercials, which is a bummer. I thought we could always rely on the commercials, but I guess... Funny went out of style. I'm old enough to remember when commercials were funny. Let's take a break. We'll talk more about the Super Bowl, talk more about the Packers, and I'll get to more of your texts and your tweets as well. Coming up next, you're on the Wisco Sports Show.